Hey, how you doing, everybody? Andrew Scott, and of course, this is gonna be Keep Your Hat On. Uh, quick apology, I am completely underwater with a ton of different things. So we inadvertently took November off, and uh, this is the episode that we recorded back at the beginning of uh, November, and uh, it's gonna be very edit light because, uh, yeah, I got no time. But uh, we will try to get another episode recorded here in the next week and get it out to you before the end of the year. But if you don't hear from us, have a wonderful holiday of your choosing. And we will talk to you in 2024, if not sooner. Talk to you later. Bye. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. While generally considered safe for work by way of content, some language may be considered offensive by more sensitive viewers or listeners. Existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. This is Keep Your Hat On, a show by three nerdy nobodies and one nerdy kinda somebody about nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network. And BBN, the focus is on you. By Andrew Scott Media, making your media matter and by the kind support of our friends all around the world via patreon patreon create on your own terms coming up on this episode it's well um i don't know i've been gone for a while plus you guys never really kind of keep me up to date on what i'm supposed to be saying where's my script what's my motivation gosh people can't we get together on this well anyways Let's get whatever the hell this is started. Here's your hosts, Andrew, Robert, Dr. Mark, and well, it's hard to not love him. It's Chris. Thing, I think that happened. And this is this is how we're gonna come into the show with right. our hands up. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, okay. So, uh, everybody got somebody or something that they want to address by way of this art question. So we're saying trust yes. the podcast, not the podcaster, Andy? Is that? I think exactly. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, go in the merch. We'll put um, that in the, in the merch. Yeah. yeah, that's not bad. Uh, what was the other one that Heather and I came up with today that was really good, and I can't quite remember what? Oh, um, we were talking. I was talking in my Discord server today with uh, a number of my, my people, and we were talking about neurodivergent behavior because a lot of us are either spectrum people or are uh are uh adhd and i recounted a story where uh long long ago about 12 or 13 years ago when i was first diagnosed one of my therapists who was not really uh very versed in adult adhd tried to get me to work with that whole uh memory palace thing the the memory you know like 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 a house in which you put rooms and things Exactly. If you remember, they, they it got really popularized with um, 
uh, Sherlock with Benny Ben Cucumber Patch. And the, 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 there were a couple episodes where he did the Memory Palace thing. And I said, oh, I've, I was introduced to that back in the 80s um, in middle school when uh, the talented and gifted uh, teacher, which, of course, TAG was essentially where all us kids like me got dumped because they didn't know what the fuck to do with us. Um, but they tried to do that, right? Yeah. And uh, I was just like, it, it didn't work at all for me. And my therapist at the time went, why do you think that is? And I was just like, well, think about doing that, but having it be in Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> my favorite, by the way, after Totoro. Oh, saying. yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, actually, not my second favorite. My favorite, of course, is still Totoro. My my second favorite actually is Spirited oh, Away. Yeah, yeah. Josh. There's a there's a new one. There's a new one on the horizon. Right. And speaking of new, did you guys catch that they we've got a new Gojira? We've got a new uh-huh. new new take on Godzilla. Dude, it is badass looking. It's here December first in the United States. Yeah, and I just we are all over that. I read the uh the breakdown of it. One of the things that's really interesting, and I'll point you to this, Mark, is that really the director whose name escaped uh escapes me, um, is really going at this as a return to the spiritual core of Gojira movies. And and the the fear and the the manifestation of nuclear panic, yeah. uh, in in you know in all the kaiju stuff, and there. so yeah. it was a really yeah I'm totally about it. And by the way, okay. apparently we started the show. Oh. Hello and welcome <laughs> back to keep your hat on. Everybody's hands up. We're not touching anything because we had problems. But I am Andrew Scott, of course, along with my good friends Ty, Robert, Anthony, and Christopher Vacano and Dr. Mark C.E. Peterson, and I see my record button there. The record thing is there. Okay, we're good. And you don't touch it. Right? Don't touch it. I can touch touch that, and I could be be that guy. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Right, exactly. (laughs) Squeezing Oh, Oh my God. We are in a mood today, aren't we? we are. Dr. Mark was threatening me with with his mood on the way in here, so we'll just see how this all goes. No, the new yeah, Godzilla movie, the new you. Godzilla yeah, movie, God. two things. One, I am really, really happy that it's coming back to uh, its origin where uh, Godzilla is not friendly to the humans. He's kind of a little bit peeved. Uh, mm-hmm. And two, the only disappointment that I'm really going to have, and I hope that it's not there. Don't get me wrong. I love me some BOC, but it's overdone. It does yeah. not need oh, to be in the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's become like so commonplace, and it's 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 sort of yeah. I agree. It's, it's like it's, it's like it's similar to it's, when they come out with a new Viking movie and they they use immigrant song right whenever yeah. they can. Yeah, as, as yeah, long as the boys are alive. See, you lost and I mean Thor. Oh, Thor Blue Oyster Cult oh, uh, version yeah. of Godzilla. Oh, dear, oh, dear, Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. You know, on the on the subject of Godzilla, I've I've got a little parenthetical here, which is the the director of uh Godzilla 2014 just released a movie. It, it it came out like at the end of September and it's maybe in the second run theaters now. 
uh, called The Creator. Oh, how? And it is. Yeah, I remember you went lot, didn't you? Best, most thoughtful, most gripping sci-fi movies I have seen in a long, wow, long taken time. under advisement. I mean, wow. it is it is brilliant. It it pulls together. I mean, there are definitely some 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 callbacks and some some references, some inspiration taken from like Blade Runner and District Seven, but mm-hmm. it really tells oh, its I'm own to, story. Got and it is beautiful. I mean, it is just this wonderful. It's, and I mean, it goes the to show end you that will rip your heart to, out. Yeah, don't listen to anybody else's reviews true, of movies. I, know, right? I think. The whole movie review world, since Siskel and Ebert passed away, bless them both, I, I could give a shit about what any supposed movie experts' view of things are. You know, you know the, the, the critical press, the, the mainstream critical press, is a wholly owned subsidiary of the studios at this yeah. point. And all I know they are, that, that all they are is sound... carrying PR water for the studios, and it's bullshit. Yeah, and that makes us sound very conspiratorial and, oh, yeah, man, it's the corporations, man. But honest to God, I don't think I've seen a legitimately good movie review in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, yeah. I don't trust them anymore. They they shit canned Blade Runner 2049, which was, right. I kinda like what? Too. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Okay. Yeah. And I think that we've just we've moved away from a true a true criticality of movies and how they're how they impact the zeitgeist of of the we culture. Say it, 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 Is, they, it died with Roger Ebert. I think that's what you want to say. I swear to I God, it did. That. And yeah, I know that, I think that it sounds did. really pandering, but Ebert was one of the last movie reviewers that I think was able to have a foot in both worlds. He was able to have a foot in the academic study of film, but he wrote for really cheesy Harvey Corman kind oh, of he wrote so he super vixens, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, so he really <laughs> does have he had a uh, a foot in mm. this world of well look it was it fun? Was it entertaining? Not everything needs to be, you know, this deep existential study. Was it fun? Did you like it? Um, uh, This, well, I'm not going to ever teach it again. Oh my god! So um, I know it's hilarious. So um, one of my uh, my colleague and I, Chris Yogurst, who is like, God, this Chris man, he's going great guns now. Uh, He just had like lunch and was on a panel with David Zucker of Airplane Fame who's back in Milwaukee, right? you know, mm-hmm. saying hi to everybody and talking about the movie, which was like 50 years ago. Oh, shut up. Horrifying. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, Chris and I did this <laughs> class together, and it was gonna, the, the cheat was going to gonna be about aesthetics and uh, film. And um, I spent years looking at, at the aesthetic literature and philosophy, and it's just awful. <laughs> I mean, like in the worst ways imaginable. And um, so we just made stuff up. But one of the things I came up with is I came up with four diagnostic frames for looking at the movies. And one of them is, did you like it? And it, seriously, because it's like, there's movies that have a function, right? So like some of these movies are not designed to be Bergman. Right. And in fact, no. I, there's Bergman films that I'll just never watch again. Wild strawberries. I'm just never going to Virgin spring ever watch them again. <laughs> because 
And you know, so, some movies aren't even meant to be Birdman. Oh, which I thought was a yes. great movie. Oh, Birdman I, was awesome. Another brilliant movie that got shredded. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Chris, it's interesting that you bring up uh that movie and that director because to get back to Gojira, the the new Godzilla movie, um the the director of that movie loved the 2014 Godzilla and actually said, I actually used that as a touchstone to build out my approach to this. Like Ty, you said, like Gojira is not friendly, not here to help us, not here to yeah, save us. Not our buddy. Yeah. No, it is an antagonistic kind of, and you know, the thing about Godzilla was Godzilla was meant to be a gray area. Godzilla was the, the, like and I was going to accidentally like say response, you know, or something to, uh, well, it, well, it was, it was the Godzilla combination, was, it was the combination was, of the earth coming yeah, back to take yeah. care of itself. Yeah. And that yeah, means that there is part of it that is man-made and there is part of it that is God-made. And yeah, the, the, in between the gray is where Godzilla comes from. Well, the well original, and we were, yeah, I mean, the original, the original function of Godzilla was as mother nature's enforcer. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a, and 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 that's why i like the 2014 movie is because he wasn't chummy with the humans humans were incidental yeah, utterly irrelevant yeah to him, they were yeah totally inconsequential yeah. to Go the ahead, grand Ty, scheme i'm sorry i i oh I, no i i you know what 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 i was what i was going to say was um it is part karmic i think it 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 originally and has it's going back to its original form um was about the fears of nuclear. Of course. Yeah. Nuclear, that's where it first came nuclear from. Tests. And, and it was born out of that fear. And you're right, Mark, it, it, it's totally karmic. What, what happened in the first movie is you screw around with nature and guess what? Nature yeah. bats last. And, and see, see what happens, back. Larry? Yeah. <laughs> and for me, not to get too deep with it, but I've often found it very interesting some of the because you know you guys had all mentioned karmic um i've always felt that there was a lot more shinto oh, the in <laughs> godzilla yeah exactly more the ancestors always you know every single life all the way back to the primordial well, that totally makes sense because uh uh especially at the time the first movie well yeah um, mm -hmm. shinto was was the prevailing well, yeah, because we were just coming out of World War II and Buddhism was actually very frowned upon because it was not the state religion of the right. empire. Um, but I tell you what, this is leading in nicely to the discussion that we're going to have today when we come back. And that is sometimes art makes you uncomfortable. And I've been kind of having some interesting feelings Ooh. lately, not only about art making me uncomfortable, but the artist. And so when we come back, we're going to have a bit of a four-way Donnybrook about this. But this is the Narrowband Broadcast Network. I'm Andy. That's Dr. Mark. That's Chris. That's Ty. We're the hats. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Fuck, Bye. Fuck. Fuck.
three, two. And we're back on Keep Your Hat on the show where hell even we don't know where we're going to go. I'm Andrew Scott, of course, along with Dr. Mark C.E. Peterson and Chris Vacano and Ty Robert Anthony. And uh, Chris, you hey, said hey, that you had, a, you yeah, had a thing I, that you need. Yeah, from I me. got this thing on my mind. So so since, since the last episode, I have had pump up the volume stuck in my head. And I can't find my blackjack gum anywhere. Have you got a spare? Oh, I I got your blackjack gum. You left it here last time. Oh, so, no wonder. Hey, could you pass this? Eat up a lot of bands. There you go. Are we? Oh, oh, hey, no, it just eat, it just eats up a lot of uh, licorice. That's that all. Yeah, really well. So, yeah, um, awesome. huh. there you go. Uh, by the, the way, you're you're an, you're an absolute asshole, Chris, because that is my favorite gum, and they do not make a truly sugar-free version of it. And I cannot have. So, uh, when, so sorry. When, yes, when next you are here, please take all your gum that I can't have. Take, take the temptation away. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I got I got my brand. I got my brand that I can use here. If uh, if uh, extra wants to sponsor the show, call me. Okay. Um, so Man, at least at least with the extra, the flavor lasts. And, I mean, and they're, and they're going to get on flavor is already off of my gum. <laughs> Right, uh, I'm done yeah. with the gum. Thing. All right, yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> so one of the things that actually, Ty, I sent this to you the other day was there's a new documentary that is coming out, or or if it's not coming out, it's already out. And it's I think called, it's out the twelfth. Yeah, something like that. It's called Immediate Family. And uh, on a number of our episodes in the past, we discussed um, that whole that whole cohort of music that happened in the early to mid 70s in uh in and down and around LA and Santa Barbara uh that area the, the most famous club at that time in that area in that cohort was the Troubadour oh, sure. okay uh and then of course uh you know the Stone Pony and things like that here, really well, I yeah. worked at I worked at the Troubadour. Did you work at the Troub? I did. I did. I did a number of shows at the Troubadour. Oh, so, okay. You worked like I worked where we weren't residents there. We were local crew that, yeah. Um, You know, and in that, in that, you know, Mark, you're right. It's your generation when you were able to go to the club. It's our generation (laughs) in that this is what our brother and sister's record collections were that we inherited. Right. Yep. Yep. And so, um, you know, people like Linda Ronstadt and Jackson Brown and, you know, that whole era were supported. Exactly. We're, we're supported in much the same way as the Beatles or excuse me, um, the, the, um, uh, beach boys were supported by, the wrecking oh, crew the wrecking yes. crew was the session group for that era it's of music insane. well and the music of documentaries if you haven't seen the documentary on the wrecking oh, yeah. crew check i did it not out. know i had that's, never yeah, known I, that glenn campbell was in that bunch and it's oh, like yeah. that suddenly explained yeah. like when you know, cuz in the old when, when he went, i mean like i was a big so fan of his things. tv show yeah. back then Oh yeah, and, it was you know, a great he was show. String, he, people think of him as like a, just this country singer, but once he's not a humstrum and once singer. Once in a while, no. he would unload and shred, and you just sit there. And there was there's a famous mm-hmm. thing it's still on YouTube somewhere where Ray Clark came by one day, and the two yeah. of them, and it was like, yeah, lit the place on fire. So, 
this is the mind blower that I've been. We were talking about documentaries. I was, and I did not know this. Holy cow. Mark, you probably knew this. Andy, you may know this. I was watching a documentary on McLean and uh, uh, American Pie, which, holy cow, that was the first song at three years old that I could complete (laughs) and sing along with. I totally understand Uh, why. It appeals to certain brains, right? And and, and that album cover. I must have stared at that album cover for hours. Yeah. But going into the song, of course, it is about the tragic accident that takes Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly. And, and the Big, Big Bopper, Bopper and Richie yeah. Valens. Yeah. And Richie uh, Valens, um, yeah. What I didn't realize was Waylon Jennings was the guitarist for Buddy yeah, Holly. Yeah, he was supposed to be on the yep. plane. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they ha- and apparently they had words. Mm-hmm. They had like serious words oh, before he got that. on the plane. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. And you know, honest, that but... whole, that whole thing. I mean, we, we live in this privileged age now of the interwebs and all these people doing these deep dive things. And now we are discovering, we're learning all this back history that used to be pretty deep, dark, nerdtastic <clears throat> musical yeah. knowledge, yeah. you know? Well, um, and they just, they mentioned it just really quick in passing, but then, right. I, you know, I had to do some research and I was like, holy cow, that's Waylon Jennings has a child with right. no facial hair, yep. no long hair. Uh, what the hell? And he's playing for Buddy yeah. Holly. Well, so many people don't know like other musical arcana, like the fact, you know, uh, uh, just how incredible uh, a, a prolific writer Neil Diamond was, oh my you know, God. and, 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 you know, uh, again, I'm a believer and all these seventies hits that weren't done by yeah. him, but were written yeah. by him or Carly Simon or, you know, uh, Carol King, all Carol these King, Carol King yeah. or the, or the, the other fun factoid about Neil Diamond is that I think a lot of people don't know is that the, the stage name he wanted was ice cherry yeah <laughs> we'll we'll be thankful to the fates and wow. the norns that that yeah, one yeah. didn't it's a good name for a nice he, he, he had uh his manager <laughs> but old, to get back, old neil to get, had a little bit of a uh an ego uh, yeah fair enough well you know if you think so about to it. get to get back around to get back around to where we're going so we wind up understanding that this whole cadre of people back then were responsible for things like, I mean, uh, uh, again, the Eagles, one of the greatest selling bands of right. all time. Linda Ronstadt's backing band when yep. she appeared yep. on yep. the Midnight Special, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you're talking about the Eagles and how they formed, did you know that Joe actually lent Jimmy his first Les Paul and convinced Jimmy that that's what he needed to be uh, wearing around his neck. Yes, uh, I do. And point. do you know, to, uh, to go even oh, deeper dear. into Minutia, that when Joe got offered to join the Eagles from the James gang, he got a hold of Neil Young. And Neil yes. Young just... Yes on the phone said, well, why the hell do you want to join those assholes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, 
but all these these intersection nexus points that we don't get to see um this documentary is going into because it's focusing on that generation that that cohorts people that made our popular music happen people like Wadi Washel um and i just encourage everybody to Wait, watch what was it. the name of the what i'm was looking the name forward of it? to it because the name of the documentary is called immediate family, oh, immediate family. and the reason okay. that i'm looking the reason that i'm looking forward to it is cuz i have a feeling that this is going to be very very complimentary to uh the documentary uh about the canyon right yeah i would say i would agree with that the reason why i'm interested in it is because Wadi Watchell is a really significant guitar player to me and we'll reference him at the end of the show because what I want to talk about is in light of our modern era where we are all trying to be more aware and we we have not only the benefit of hindsight but we have the benefit of technology like we were just nerding out so deeply about all these little facts and some of which we just literally discovered through the help of the internet and, and constantly being able to look Mm. things up all the time. My question is this, I have been in my nostalgic mid (laughs) fifties. I have been going back through a lot of periods in my life where music or art was really significant in kind of shaping Mm me. And I've been realizing that there are really significant touchstones in my life that I'm now kind of uncomfortable with because uh, (laughs) here to, to use a very modern way of saying it, it didn't age well. Oh yeah. And part of this actually came from our discussion in the, uh, in the Jimmy Buffett episode. There are a number of Jimmy Buffett songs, and I think nobody's going to argue that Jimmy Buffett. I don't think anybody's going to argue that Jimmy Buffett was a genuine guy, and he wanted people to be happy, and he wanted his music to motivate people to oh, yeah. happiness. But there are a few ways and things said back then that are not something that any of us would pony up in 2023 and so it brings me to this point to ask you guys this who's got something that they love that they're struggling with by way of it's i don't know what are we going to say acceptability in this what hasn't aged well for you guys that you still really love and i guess we'll go chris i'll throw it to you first yeah, and, and it, can, it doesn't. It isn't music exclusive. It can be art. It can be art of any kind. Yeah, and I've been I've been really running this through through my brain box since uh, we we first talked about this idea in uh, pre production, and you know, Andy pre production. You, and I, like, you got... make it sound like we're so organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, casual conversation on right. Zoom. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and you know I threw out an idea to you that I was I was thinking about and and I decided to steer clear of that um, because there's a much bigger one and it is in music and you mentioned the Beach Boys earlier and I think I don't think there's a lot of debate <laughs> that that the real genius 
within the Beach Boys, what what made the Beach Boys so amazing and unique was Brian Wilson. (laughs) I was just going to say, Mike Love. Yeah, that's where I was going. That's where I was going. Hey, man, tambourine drives a lot of music. But but there was and there was Danny back there. Yeah, there was there was another component of that that made Brian Wilson so special and magical and amazing. And this takes us to the thing that didn't age well for me that touches a whole array of music that I absolutely love and am passionate about. But there's always that asterisk. And that's Phil Spector. Oh, dear. Because murder doesn't age well. (laughs) Well played, Chris. No matter how you slice it, murder doesn't age well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, murder doesn't age well. Um, Violence towards people in general. That hair, that hair. Yeah, the hair that he wore into into the courtroom. That alone was was bad enough. Yeah, but but I. I, Not to make you feel bad about the hair comment or anything, but but, but that's what got him convicted. (laughs) Maybe that he made so much. He was he was responsible for so Uh, the wall of sound, amazing music. The wall of sound. I mean, the whole Beach Boys thing. Let it be. You know, he he was everywhere, and and he touched everything. And, so what does con- that what does that do? That what I'm interested in is what does that do to your ability to appreciate oh, those creations God. that he made? It it adds. Yeah, it ain't mix- easy. Yeah, it 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 adds it it, it 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 almost adds a layer of film over it. It doesn't completely ruin it for me. But it, but it, you know, like I said before, there's always this asterisk of, wow, that's really, really fucking brilliant. And, and especially, you know, I just recently got new headphones. So I'm like really You're discovering music stuff again now. in yeah. a lot of ways. Oh, I'm hearing stuff that I have never heard before. And, and so I listened to something that Phil produced and it's like, oh my God, the, just the mad genius. Yeah. In the, yeah. But then there's that asterisk. Capital and Mad, like, and, and it's like it's like, yeah, but Phil Spector. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but if you knew anything about like Phil that... Spector, you knew this was coming. <laughs> he brought a gun into the studio back in the Motown days. He yeah. put it on the desk, and he would yep. let people know this was his show, and he was not yeah. afraid and, to and shoot. He was the boss. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie, and Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Spector was actually so incredibly bold to pull Mm -hmm. the the wool off of the pull the curtain off of Mm -hmm. phil specter even back in the day and she was dismissed for it over and over and over again there were people in that entire world who knew exactly who and what phil specter was but he kept on cranking out the hits and the number one a lot of people a lot of money you don't exactly you don't shit where you eat and there are people who I really respect music wise who kind of look the other way. And in that regard, it was the, you know, for me, one of them was the Ramones. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they got a hold of Phil Spector and said, we want the wall oh. of sound. And Spector at the time was kind of, he started to slide into a bit of obscurity, but that's just it. You listen to 
the the Ramones. It was the one album, right? Mondo, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and you but you you listen to uh, rock and roll radio, the song rock and roll radio, and it is a perfect mashup of the homage of that era of radio, the lyrics referencing that era of radio, us Gen X kids listening to Bakelite overheating transistor radios and listening. Yeah, I mean, it was perfect. But again, like you said, Chris, asterisk, you know, and it's, it's tough. Tell you what, we're going to jump out to a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to have another very uncomfortable series of art discussions. When we come back, Narrowband Broadcast Network, four guys sitting around bullshitting. You know the drill. Bye. You know what, what? What's really interesting is I just watched last night. I watched uh, the Millie Vanilli documentary. Oh, uh, okay. And you know very, those guys were done very so dirty. Still bad for them. Yeah, now. they really they were. were done so dirty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 what I would say about that is very simply: take two major pop acts, both massively popular in the '80s, Millie Vanilli, Michael Jackson. Millie Vanilli didn't touch any little boys. All they did right. was lip sync. And look, well, yeah. the, the problem comes up, and this, and this, yeah, with the, the documentary puts this up, um, and it's very true. It wasn't until the Grammy nomination and the Grammy award mm-hmm. that, that is, shit yeah. went south, and the industry yeah. had to turn its back uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise they would lose all legitimacy. And I mean, the Grammys up until that time had been suffering a crisis of legitimacy, anyways. That, I don't, you, so, guys don't, you guys weren't really old enough to remember this, but this is, you know, I um, the late '70s were really bad in like a ton of ways, and hedging into the '80s, because what had happened was the music that came out in the in the '60s primarily. You know, so you look at the early Dead, and you look at all their side bands, and you look at you know, mm-hmm. uh, anybody in that era, Jefferson Airplane, all those guys, right? And, and the Beatles and the Stones, too. Um, they were musical acts that were discovered by the labels and then became big. And by the time you get into the yeah. late 70s, um, the labels had started to go out. This is especially true with disco. I think they're doing this with, with, uh, with rap now, too. But the studios were going out and just, like, creating the stars, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And it was like, you know, I stopped listening mostly because of ABBA, although I'm coming around on them. But um, I know uh, it's inevitable. Yeah, but yeah. Um, well, well I, let me just finish up. So but I actually quit. You know, yeah, I think I've ahead. told you the story before that I actually sort of about 1970, seven, eight. 
I literally stopped listening to popular music and I went hardcore classical for like four or five years. And then I got dragged to see this little concert <clears throat> in Toronto in the early 80s. And it was this yep. little group called Talking Heads, which I'd never heard of before. And it was the Stop Making Sense tour. And it was like a literally a life altering <laughs> event because it, it sounded yeah, authentic. Yeah. And I was always really sympathetic to like the punk movement for these same reasons, right? Is that is three chords in the truth, baby. They were back to right? like this is authentic stuff. And um now, now here we go. Mark was was Laurie was Laurie oh, Anderson yeah, like the opening oh, act I'm, I'm on a, that? I've been a mad fan yeah. on that yeah. tour. Oh yeah, she's her, her I I mean I wouldn't She's my surrealist crush. View her as con conventional <laughs> nice. music. Good she choice, is, yeah. by the way. She's she's a performance oh, yeah. artist, and yeah, and she's brilliant. She is. Absolutely there was one. There was brilliant. a lot. There was a, a, an artist in Canada who's still around, who uh, who was a lot like her, named Jane Sibbery. And, and yeah. Like, oh, I love yeah, Jane. We used Sibbery. to go see her. Yeah. I did. Bruce Coburn just came through town actually last week here, and I. I oh, oh, he really? I believe I God missed him. Damn. I didn't know. Yeah, he's walking on canes now too, and he's. So he's oh, kind of scaling back, but that's like when I when I recently saw like one of the one of the most recent um, uh, live uh, videos of um, uh, oh shit why am I blanking on it Tiny Island Come on Mark Monster help me out what? No 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 the song <laughs> Tiny, Tiny Island uh, It's one of oh Leo oh, Kotke yeah. Yeah, Leo yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw a video of <laughs> Montserrat with a good Montserrat. answer. I'll give you. That's a good answer. Nauru, right? Of of all the watch yeah. Um, yeah, Vanuatu. You're right. Um, yeah, j uh, watching watching somebody because you know I've been following Leo for fucking since oh, I was like yeah, four, yeah. and uh, to to uh, you know I mean I when I think of Leo I think of uh either the video um the the film of him for um the old gray whistle test or mm, mm. um midnight special when he was on oh, midnight yeah. special oh. young shaggy brown hair and everything now you watch him he you know he and he still by the way brother yeah. still plays yeah but it's all tuned down and slowed down by about 20 beats Brush per with second. greatness, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know if minute. you knew. Did you know this, so, Andy, that we had him on campus in our little theater? I remember you telling me that it was like a year or two before I was there, which was no, the greatest was No, it was after you were ever It was after. Yeah. What, uh, what year? Probably in the 2000s. Oh, that's even it more be upsetting too. because I would have yeah, flown back. It was like there were like sixty people in the audience, and we only got him because the woman who was Vincent De Lorenzo's manager, you know, from Violent Femmes, Linda. Oh yeah, Linda, no, I, I know. Uh, Linda yeah. said, "Hey, you know, I know Leo Kotke. He's coming to town. Would we? Would you guys be interested in having him on campus?" And it was like, "How much?" And it was like it was only Duh. like a couple of thousand because he was on his way someplace else, and it was just an extra night for him. Yeah. He was literally driving so past. Me and, so me and like 60 of my best friends sat around in this little tiny venue and he, he nice. destroyed us. Um, sorry to go off on that. Oh, so, wow. but anyway, yeah. But so That's okay. Find out. Go on. But go on. I wanted, I just wanted to say real quick, I have recently heard the best tour, uh, uh, the best, the best tour uh, uh, name ever. And that is from John Cleese, oh. who is coming to down, through town here in last this week next year. Sometime. And his tour is called See Me Before I Die. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're obviously back from break. Um, and I, well, I'm totally fine with that because this all does lead me around again to, we, we, this is an, this is an eternal question. This, can you separate the art and the artist? Are they the same thing or are they completely individual and monolithic things? And I, I used to be very ardently in the camp of that the art and the artist are individual and independent from each other, because I really do have a feeling that in order to have art, you need to have somebody there to experience yeah. the art. Otherwise, it is not art. It is a personal exercise and expression of your id, which is okay and is important in its own right. But the act of art is upon the experiencer. But that doesn't make this discussion any easier. And I found myself looking back in my history and going, you know, I was so sure of that view that I just expressed. Yeah. But now I'm not so I, sure anymore. Shall I? Shall I? Shall I jump yeah, on this? I kinda, please, well, please do, professional I still thinker. I have in memory uh, every Bill Cosby comedy album, from right. Noah up through to Russell, my brother oh, with whom gosh. I slept. And Noah's just hilarious. Still, and it's, it's like a wonderful. It's still, still and it's like yeah, yeah sticking sticking a screwdriver into your muffler in order to make your car sound cool. <laughs> And see, oh, we're yeah, laughing, still, and we're all immediately like, back to that age and remembering that experience of hearing that for the first time. So many brilliant, brilliant things. I mean, we mentioned did. Michael Jackson, like, and whatever we don't know for sure about what Michael did, although we can suspect. But it's like right? we know what we were pretty sure about what Cosby did. We're pretty sure about the like, cause. It's like, why well, did you have yeah. to do that, Mr. Huxtable? Why did Doctor? You know mm -hmm. what were you fucking? <laughs> that nearly was American, a spit take yeah. to camera. That yeah. was nearly a spit take to camera, Mark. I was drinking when you brought up Huxtable. <laughs> I'm just saying, and it's like that's yeah. Could, couldn't you stop at the ugly sweaters? I mean, it was the times. It was the times. <laughs> so yeah. right, yeah. Oh, and that's by the way, one of the things. And this is a little bit old, but it is great. I will highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, that you guys watch uh, Mark Maron's latest uh, special. It's his first special for HBO. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the running gags in it, I, I'll save it, but one of the running gags in it was, it was a different time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, it, 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 that's kind of interesting, though, that I bring that up because that's something that we often use, yeah. right? Either to, either to self self-soothe because of this weird angst that we feel about things that haven't aged well or that we we kind of go well does this help does this make it better i don't necessarily know if it does i i don't want to get off cosby too quickly because oh i do well well here there's there's at least one other point here that that i i mean that that I actually haven't really articulated out loud to anybody ever. And, and this is the thing that really, really at the heart of things bothers me about Bill Cosby is that it's, it's the pure hypocrisy mm. because, and, and, and when I say that, when I call that out, what I'm talking about is how in the early nineties, 
he took Lisa Bonet's career by the throat and got up on his high moral horse. She made the film Angel Heart. Which was awesome, by the way. he didn't want her to do it. Which is a goddamn goddamn masterpiece. That should have made her career. It should have. And instead, he turned it into poison Uh, to her career. And and ran her off of the Cosby show. uh, Sort of tossed her a different world as kind of a consolation prize. And 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 good for her. Good for Lisa Bonet for for saying, you know what? Fuck you. I'm gonna go do my career yeah. anyway. I'm gonna go be the. I am my own person. You do not own me. You do not define me. But the fact that he leveraged his power and his influence to throw up such a massive roadblock. Oh, and and then it turns around that he's you know doing all this other shit on the down low at oh. the same time. I, I think, I think it makes me burn. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I think that that's a really interesting angle. This idea of the hypocrisy we've got, we've got Huxtable in his button up sweater being the skeeziest of skeezy people. And that's so anathema to the character that he played. Um, when it, comes around to ty let's switch over to you who is your complicating factor who is the harder artist that just makes you kind of go yeah but i love the stuff um i i uh uh, you know it's interesting that you bring up this topic and i hadn't been reading the threads lately because i've been very busy at work uh but i've been working with um been working with kill you know you see a a a buddha on the side of the road you kill the buddha right i've been i've been working along those lines with um your heroes kill your heroes right they say you never want to meet your heroes yeah right i'll come back to that in a minute uh um some girls the rolling stones oh yeah and on tattoo you there is a song that just Man, the lyrics are not necessarily the, they go right along with the song, but the song is really good. And that is Little TNA. Uh, totally right. wrong, but the song mm-hmm. is so yummy. Well, and it's right? it's really interesting to me that you bring up the Stones because, of Brown course, sugar, very Brown. famously, right? I would, that's exactly where I was going. They have, as of what was it, like two years ago, they mm-hmm. finally retired Brown Sugar. Going, you know what? We're old, but even we aren't okay with this anymore. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, the band. I'm afraid uh, so. The song from yeah. the band. Um, uh, what a great song. What a great piece of Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's a struggle to really grasp what robinson and and those guys were were trying to well and now and it comes we've lost robbie you know i mean and there you can go on the youtubes and you can hear robbie robertson describing a number of different angles on the night they drove old dixie down Yeah. yeah yeah and what's interesting to me is if you go down that rabbit hole i think you will probably find the same thing that i did and that is, I, and look, Robbie Robertson is one of, was one of the most 
earnest people. But I hear in his descriptions of the motivations for that song, I hear him struggling yeah. with yeah. the motivations yeah, that brought up Full that song. But yeah. the other side, the... He, was, he was so totally conflicted. He was Canadian. He was... Uh, 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 you know, a First Nation yeah, American uh, American yeah. Indian, and yet at the same time he was down in the South or up North, and he was always struggling and searching for who he was. Wow, the man spent two thirds of his life just coming to terms with the fact that he, and 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 getting comfortable enough with being First Nations to actually lean into yeah. it and yeah. make that part of his because he had gotten some really bad advice when he was much or maybe good advice i don't know you know it, yeah, it depends on your angle but i agree with you you're right that it was it, like it, to run from it it was and, smart and, it was smart career advice for the time it would be kind of yeah. it would be useful you know uh, uh strangely enough i got to hear uh joan baez on the rolling thunder tour in 1976 in mobile alabama mm sing the night they drove you lucky it bastard was one of the really yeah. great concerts of my life but um uh uh she sang the night they drove old dixie down and uh it's really interesting to listen to that with a room full of southerners who re not not knee-jerk redneck southerners but thoughtful ones who recognize the the trauma that's present there and i just wanted to the contrast would be <clears throat> sweet home alabama because right. I was going to say in Birmingham, they love the governor. And that's, you know, explaining George Wallace. I can make this even more complicated for you Yankee kids. African-Americans voted for George Wallace. And right. but here's but this is this is the this is the messed up reason. This is that, you know, we have to learn to live with these paradoxes. Um, a lot of older, not younger ones, but a lot of older African-Americans uh, voted for George Wallace because George Wallace was the first white Southern governor to take separate but equal seriously. So he put mm -hmm. bathrooms in black schoolhouses in Alabama. And that was. Yeah. Which was a new they thing. Got books. Which at that time was, was progress. Crazy. Well, yeah. and it was steps. like, I didn't even believe baby this steps. stuff because, you know, I grew up up North. Right. But it was like, when I remember Jesse Jackson coming down sometime in the late seventies, when Governor George was sort of on his way out, you know, his health was terrible and all. They went to see yeah. him, and it's like I'm thinking is like, I remember I remember the young Jesse Jackson because I was living in Chicago and when, when uh, Mayor Lindsay sent him to Mayor Daly, and Richard J. Daly just threw him out of the office and said, "Get the fuck out of here, kid." And Jesse reorganized and stopped a lot of the gang violence in South Chicago. So that's the Jesse I knew, and then. Here he's going to visit George fucking Wallace. And it's like, so this yeah. is like, you know, and so Leonard Skinner, I'm sorry, boys. You know, I love that song. I get when I drive home, Sweet Home Alabama, it is. You know, I, I, I can, but it's not the I same. It's not the same. I, <laughs> was that, I, I, why, well, hold on, Ty. Was that your, was that your uncomfortable art, Mark? Is that no, what you're calling yeah, that's for? Weird that there's a kind of uncomfortableness that's probably good here. Oh, you know what I mean, I, yeah, I agree. And anyway, I was, I was just going to come. Like, you know, um, uh, I was never a big fan. Anyway, just going to say. Fair, fair enough, Ty. I was, I was just going to say, um, it does come down <clears throat> to, and that's that's one one of the pieces that um, I enjoy merely for the fact that it really makes me think. 
Yeah. Right. Well, uh, and isn't that the MO of artists that it's supposed to challenge hopefully. you? Another one. Yeah, absolutely. Another one is fear. There are some songs in that canon that do not stand um, up today. Right. Uh, for anybody that knows who fear is. Mm -hmm. um, but nevertheless, that is something that I will listen to periodically because it makes me think and it makes me wonder what angle, because there's always several angles to write from right oh yeah so what were they trying to say what were they doing and we talk about you know things that were socially acceptable 10 years ago aren't socially acceptable now and right? that's really what yeah. we're talking yeah. about yeah. is viewing that old socially acceptable thing in the lens of today yeah and at the same time and at the same time not and at and at the same time, not retconning it. Uh, that's something that really bothers me, is taking art out of its time and finding a way to make it okay oh, today. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 you know, kind of, and I use the term retcon. That's sort of what it feels like to me. And what it, it know, really comes down to is when these people are famous, first of all, right? Uh, when you get to that stratosphere of fame, shit's different yeah shit is just different yeah. beyond our fathom shit is different right if you don't think that the beatles i can tell you some stories that i learned recently about oh. the beatles that are just like oh my god I know really? stuff about if we would have known that at the time well and i mean even and some of it has to do oh, with yeah. donovan so right and and even i mean the yeah. beatles are a Young good example in that they had a they had oh yeah oh yeah Younger they son. had a they had a hit with getting better all oh, the time, yeah. which has in it one of the most infamous lines in pop music. Mm -hmm. I used to be cruel to my woman and beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. Mm -hmm. oh. How can you, oh, but I'm better now. Now, yeah. Now, oh, but wait, know, wait, wait, wait. Then I was mean, but now I'm changing my scene and I'm doing the best that I can. How awesome. And, and it gets even better. I, so, so uh, uh, Norwegian Wood, we all have this warm, fuzzy feeling. Right. When you look at those lyrics, yeah. that's about arson. I've been doing this, been doing this yep. a lot lately because we've been picking mm -hmm. out new material. And so I've been sort of fishing back through time, you know, and looking at some of the old, some of the great old songs of my youth. And a lot of them are just not acceptable anymore. No. No, in the summer. Well, for God's sakes, don't, 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 don't go, don't do nursery rhymes, because they are oh, some God. of the most inappropriate yeah, things. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, Doctor Mark, I really appreciate that. that what's that you wrong with Baby Lynch. Shark? <laughs> Everything, uh, um, Doctor Mark. I, I love that you brought up Leonard Skinner because I was literally just chatting with a friend last night about. Uh, we do this thing every once in a while where we get together and we swap music because we come from very different yeah, cool. backgrounds and we're sort of trying to enrich each other's experiences um, and, and share with each other stuff that we like. And I got on this kind of 70s kick and, and I actually shared You Got That Right. And, mm. and, and I, I, it's funny Great because I framed, I framed it in and, and, and said, you know, I normally not really comfortable with Southern rock in general yeah. because for, for a great many reasons. And, and then I sort of did a, you know, <laughs> racist. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and, but, but it's more complex and more nuanced than that. And, and the thing is, is that 
Ronnie Van Sant was such a brilliant say songwriter. It, I have to say, it. I mean, there's there's just no way around it. Uh, He's a know, fantastic and, lyricist. I mean, and there, he really and there, was. And the, and and the Allman Brothers, you know, I can't get around the fact that the Allman Brothers are brilliant. I, I mean, just oh, Little really Feet. I've amazing. been revisiting and, Little Feet. Oh, and and Little Feet. I was I was just headed right. I was making a beeline to Little Feet. Thank you, because because I was just watching Little a Little Feet video not too long ago, and I'm I I, I was like tugging at my collar. It was making me really uncomfortable. Come on, it man! They, like, I played Dixie Chicken at my wedding. Oh, well, that I was appropriate for your wedding. No, this was this was. Yeah. This Thank you very like, much. This is like the video for Texas Twister. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's like, oh my God, that that just would not play today. And then that leads us into ZZ Top. Uh, the the rampant man. sexism and objectification. Yeah. Oh I no, mean, push. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. all of it. I mean, it's baked into the name. Yeah. And yeah. and it's like it's like uh, and and I think that gets to the heart of the question LaGrange. that you raised today, Andy, which is which is how do you square really good art with really uncomfortable attitudes, ideas, people? Well, that's the whole, that's the MO of the show. First and of all, this is, this is a point of practice, right? Because what we do here, how we parse these things out and hmm. um, make things accessible or, or acceptable to us to listen to it because it's something that that drives our ears nuts or flips our lid but we know in the background we know we know that this is not acceptable this mm-hmm. translates into a lot of other places in our life right i agree Where we have those paradoxes and we need to pull them apart and find that pocket where it's acceptable and it mm-hmm. makes us stop and think the thing that i andy the Guys, that I watched the other day uh, uh, was Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It did not hold up. And it does hold up. It does hold up today. Because what it does is it pulls out every racial trope that you can think of. And it (laughs) lets you look at it in the daylight. And and he's skewering (laughs) it. He is skewering it. I mean, I think that's... Mel Brooks is, is... tearing it apart he is not he is not trading on it to no he didn't soft pedal it at all um, and, and it's great you know the yiddish the 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 native american yiddish i didn't yeah. get that i did not get that for the longest <laughs> time i didn't that i didn't understand hilarious. where that was coming from right uh, and then, uh, for and the longest interesting, time and that's interesting because in my mind that's the other side of the coin. There are certain things in our generations, both our generations, that, um, and, and you know, Mark, I'll throw Tom Lehrer in here in oh, this yeah, regard yeah. as well, yeah. where we didn't realize just how significant and cagey yeah. and on the nose that stuff was. But now in in light of our late and middle ages going, oh shit, not only did that age yeah. well, that aged like a fine wine. There's, oh, I get it now. There, right? <laughs> yeah. I get it now. There's so much there. Tell you what, yeah. we're going to take our last break here. We're going to come back and wrap this very convoluted discussion up. But uh, this is the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. I'm Andrew. That's Dr. Mark. That's Chris. That's Ty. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Bye.
So what I'll, I was going to say, guys, in. was yeah, go ahead. Was um, where it comes for me is I can separate the art from the artist to the extent of what do I know that artist has done, and is it monetarily supportive of that artist? Because do I really want to support that behavior? Oh, that's a different question. So you're coming at it more, does, yeah, does, I think that is a different question, but it's oh, tangential. Yeah. And is, does that mean, Ty, in your mind, that it is okay to appreciate and support, commercially support things for an artist who's dead? If there's yes. no, okay. Because, yeah. you know, wh where I go with that is people like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft or... Um, Theodore Geisel or um, uh, Roald Dahl, right. okay? As writers, all those people to our generations did some really significant things. And all of those people, quite frankly, were had some Say really it. terrible shit going on. They, they were, were all fucked racist. up. <laughs> they were messed up to one degree or another. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, uh, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was terribly racist. Um, Roald Dahl was casually racist, uh, but r out loud. Um, and Geisel, of course, was very surreptitiously racist. But are we going to argue with the art? Are we going to forswear the cat? Have you guys been watching the West, or... Wes Anderson versions, by the way, of all those stories that Dahl wrote? No, I've They're not hilarious. kept up. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Take an oh, yeah. advisement. I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, you know, uh, Ty, uh, sort of, well, responding, uh, you, you both have sort of talked about where your lines are in terms of separating the art from the artist. And coming in as, you know, as a practicing visual artist, all my life, I have held the opposite view from you, Andy, which is the art is an extension of the mm. artist. The art, uh, they are inseparable. <clears throat> they are invariably intertwined because the art came forth from the artist. And do I engage with that? Yeah, okay, even if it's uncomfortable. And I, I, I also come from a place that art's role is to make us uncomfortable. But you're coming, That's you're coming art from a place at its best. You're taking the artist has a total. It did come from the artist, it came from a part of the artist, not the total. Yeah. And right? where I come yeah. at you, Chris, I'm going to yeah, throw this fair. at you and we'll talk about this at some point in the future, but I'm going to be both semantic and very semiotic here in that you are conflating the physical or the resultant of the act of creation with art. I say art is different. Art is the experience. It is the nexus point. It is the, the crossing of the creator's mind and expression and the person that is experiencing. Art, I don't for, me, art for me is that, that experience, that moment in time. Well, it's, it it's essentially that painting. connection, that conversation. And, and you're right. And, and as I've gotten older, I've come around to the, much more of that view that, that, Art is 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 about that dialogue, right? It's it's about that that interchange between consciousnesses. Here, this this is going to make sense to a few people, and this is how I sum it up: Art is not phenomena; art is noumena. 
Speaking of, Dr. Mark, what's your thing that you are uncomfortable about when it comes to people art that you have looked at in the past? Although you, you're going to have to swing for the fences to beat Cosby because oh, I, I think that well, is really so one of we, the greatest we have, examples. We have, there's a lot of dirty secrets floating around in philosophy. And of course, the big one is that Heidegger was a Nazi. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and it's like the the that, that's a that's a secret. Uh, not anymore. I mean, well, and it? but it was. Right. And, no. and <laughs> you, you heard it here yeah. third. And, and that he was yeah, a Nazi. Right? And it was like on the other hand. So here's. I mean, these are the questions we're facing these days. With where there's this, there is a bit of cancel culture out there where it's like we don't want to use the art, the thinking of people who were just like horrors, right? Um, yeah. There was I, when I was in graduate school. This came out that they had discovered all of this um, data from Mangala's experiments in the camps on uh, hypothermia, and what he was doing, of course, yeah. was putting mm. hooking kids up to thermometers and putting them in an ice bath, bath and watching them die. Right, and so, like you know, the, the, you know, the worst kind of horrific Nazi things you can imagine. But the question was, can we use the data? And the, the thing is, like, these are, for, I mean, I, I hope, these are completely irreproducible experiments. You, we can never commit these kind of horrors again in a civil society. We do use but, that But data, can we use... And not only that, that data has saved a lot. A lot. And it's like, but see, this was a real, but it's a serious question. It's sort of where we're, we're here now. It's like, if these people are just horrible, um, can we use the data? Now, maybe that's not quite the same as the question we're asking here. But but I think no, that I think no, it's really think, interesting and illuminating that you pointed out because yeah. you're right. It's not just about art. There are so many places yeah. in our human experience where something terrible has happened. But you kind of got to go. But is it yeah, really? Can, can we use it seriously? Are we going to have to throw the baby right. out here? So every, with this? Yeah, everybody's broken. Some people are just wrecked irrevocably. Right. Uh, but a clock is right at least once, <laughs> twice a day, Depending even if it's broken, Yeah. yeah. right? Yeah. So there can always be something good that comes from something bad. Can I watch Woody Allen movies? Bad. Is that okay? And, right. And, 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 and I'll say, Ty, I'll say three times a day when daylight savings time shifts. <laughs> That's true. And yeah. Well, <laughs> That's as we wrap Heidegger. this up, I'm going to... No, it's true. Uh, I'm going to cop to mine. And what's really interesting is as this discussion has unfolded, uh, kind of like a gnarled ball of yarn, um, which is our way, um, is almost like every single one of you guys has put something in front of me that ties to my complicated relationship with one of my all-time favorite musical artists, who is Warren Zevon. And uh, it, it, it's very interesting because, Chris, you brought up this uh, this phenomena of the hypocrisy versus the the public persona of of an artist. OK, um, you know, 
for me, Warren Zevon is one of the most significant musicians in my life. Uh, I go back to listening to her. My first song of Warren Zevon's was not Werewolves of London. My first song from Warren Zevon was Lawyers, Guns, and Money. And yeah. it was the first time I ever heard somebody swearing on the radio. Because the shit has hit the fan. The shit has hit the fan. Um, but uh, this this all ties together because we were talking about the, uh, the documentary uh, Immediate Family about the whole cadre of people down in the L.A. scene, the music scene, Jackson Brown and Waddy Watchell. Well, Jackson Brown was responsible for bringing Warren Zevon really oh, out no into idea. the public. Jackson Brown was the producer of uh, Warren's uh, big debut album, Excitable Boy, which had, by the way, um, it had uh, uh, Linda Ronstadt singing background vocals. Mm -hmm. It had uh, both uh, uh, Lindsey Buckingham and... Uh, yeah. You know, the the Fleetwood Mac camp was very deeply enmeshed into that whole scene at the time. Waddy Watchell, who's featured in a media yep. family, very famously was not only uh, was not only Warren Zevon's guitar player, but Warren's longtime semi back and forth wife started out being Waddy Watchell's girlfriend until Warren was in the van with her and essentially stole her away um and it's a strat again stratospheric thing those things mean less at that stratosphere yeah. than they do to us in this stratosphere and right? looking back on looking back on warren and the significance of his music to my life um you know uh, uh, he's a fascinating character study his family background was horrific um, he uh, was a very conflicted person all his life. Fame often escaped him, and he grew very resentful of that uh, later on in his, uh, his life. But much in the same way that some of his influences uh, were people that we also canonized. He was very close friends and took great inspiration from Another very complicating personality, and that's Hunter S. Thompson. Mm -hmm. um, you oh, know, uh, again, we all lionize. Wreck of complications. Yeah, we all we all lionize Hunter S. Thompson, but boy, seriously, you just take an hour out of that dude's life, and the amount of inappropriate <laughs> shit that you oh, can't justify. You know, but oh, we, I'd go we, beyond inappropriate and say downright fucking appalling. Well, I would say I would say absolutely criminal oh, in any on. part of the world. But, debaucherous and that's really where i <laughs> come back to that's where i come back to warren and that is if you l listen um just really his last album and uh, i'm not going to go deeply into it but of course warren um died of mesothelioma that last album from... is just a heartbreaker oh my god and i will i will tell i will tell you this um so that album came out now, what, 14 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, VH1 did a documentary of the making of oh. that album. Coming up next on VH1, a special commercial-free presentation of Inside Out, Warren Zevon. Reckless, gifted, provocative, 
irreverent, intelligent, courageous. It's a crazy bag of labels, but over the years, the man at the center of this tale has comfortably worn them all. But in August 2002, singer-songwriter Warren Zevon was tagged with another label, Terminally Ill. Given just three months to live, he set out to make the record of a lifetime. One of the biggest Warren Zevon fans on earth, I have not to this day been able to bring myself to watch it because one of the things that happens in that, and this was a very spontaneous thing, when they all gathered together and the people on that album that came together for Warren at that time, people like uh, Tom Petty uh, and uh, Bruce Springsteen, who was a longtime uh, famous collaborator and they had a mutual admiration society, Warren and Bruce. Uh, there's so many big time people that showed up for that album. Actually, David Letterman. They were all just, yeah, I'll get to Letterman because that's Letterman very famous. A lot of water for him. Letter, Letter, Letterman was one of the places where Warren could go when things got really bad and Letterman would put him back up there to let him earn some money. Wow. It was that thing. And yeah. the Mitch album uh, song, Hit Somebody, uh, was a, a contest where uh somebody told warren that you know nobody there are all these famous songs from sports nobody writes a hockey song well mitch album the guy who wrote the book tuesdays with maury uh was just like well i'll write the lyrics and warren is like that's going to be a terrible song and they recorded it and it's fucking brilliant um <laughs> but what what happened was when they were recording that album warren was given he had literally just gotten the diagnosis about three months earlier. He was planning on doing an album. Suddenly it becomes his last album and he knows that the clock is running and a couple really significant things happen. One of them very famously when uh, Warren's last appearance on David Letterman's show uh, and David, Dave often had Warren come in and fill in for Paul Schaefer when Paul was gone. Uh, but the David devoted an entire episode to Warren. Um, the very famously, he uh, Warren came out and said, "Well, first of all, let me say that I, I might have made a, a tactical error in not going to a physician for twenty years." <laughs> uh, I see. All right. It was one of those phobias that really didn't pay off. <laughs> um, and the the other thing when when. Dave asked him, and I mean, you could see Letterman suffering yeah. mm -hmm. through this interview. He said, what are you going to, what are you going to, what do you think you're going to miss? And he's like, well, I hope I make it long enough to see the next Bond movie. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, from, from your perspective now, do, do you know something about uh, life and death that maybe I don't know now? Not unless I know how much, how much you're supposed to enjoy every sandwich, mm -hmm. you know. Enjoy every sandwich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. you know, and uh, really the the thing that was hardest is when you hear 
that album. And I encourage everybody to put it on Spotify and stream it. They do a, they do a version of Dylan's knocking on heaven's door. And it was spontaneous at the last minute. They were like, let's figure out one more song. And it was knocking on heaven's door. And you hear, you hear the labored breaths of Warren singing that. And at the end, and it's just, it's such a beautiful gut punch. You hear Warren as all these famous people are singing along, knocking on heaven's door. You just hear Warren singing, open up, open up, open up the doors for me, open up the doors. for me." And it is just like, I couldn't. And at that moment, I knew I'm never going to be able to watch this documentary. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to bring myself to do it. But Warren, for as incredible an intellect as he was, as incredible a musician as he was, uh, I guess everybody who knows you knows that you uh, did enjoy yourself to the point of punishing others, really, at some point. <laughs> and, and Well, that's not really where you put it outside of meetings, but if you want to say so, <laughs> that's okay. Emotionally speaking. Well, yeah, I know, yeah. I know how you meant it. <laughs> he was a horrible person. He was terrible. And the songs that I love so much from him are terrible songs mm. about terrible people doing terrible things. Excitable boy, right? Excitable boy, or one of my favorite, which was actually my very first, and I still have it, my very first Gmail account <laughs> is Mr. Bad Example. Okay. <laughs> you know, which which starts which starts off. Um, uh, I uh, I started as an altar boy working at the church. Um, learning all my holy moves, doing some research, which led me to a cash box labeled children's funds. I took, I, I left the change and took the bills and stuffed them inside my cummerbund. Uh, and it really is just every single terrible thing. But Warren made you love singing about it. Yeah, and you're right, Ty, excitable boy. You know, um, let's, 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 make a wonderful catchy song about absolute sociopathology and murdering somebody and then raping her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you it all what? really, it, yeah. As we're, as we're all, as we're all talking and as I'm listening to you, I'm wondering how Led Zeppelin has managed to miss, uh, miss this boat because they haven't, but it was a different time. <laughs> well, even even the songs, right? Some of the songs are very misogynistic. But right? a lot of the, the uh, interestingly, a lot of the very misogynistic songs from them were old blues standards. Yeah, They're not yeah, even yeah. their songs. Yeah. But I just think as we wrap up here, um, I I encourage everybody, um, to to maybe cast a different eye on some of these things that we feel as being. I mean, do we really have to, do we really have to not enjoy Harry Potter anymore? Do we really, can we, can we not separate? Yeah. Can we not separate the creator from the creation or is, is there a separation? I think that's my question. I'm still struggling with whether or not this is an issue a la Chris and I having, I won't say diametrically opposed, but I will say there's a dynamic tension between your idea of art and mine. Well, I think I think we've 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 converged over the years. 
Uh, well, and I think what we've done is kind of where I'm going as the wrap up. And that is we've been doing this for centuries. I will bring out Mel Brooks here, <laughs> you know, the, the great piece of, we have the first artist and then the first <laughs> art critic pissing <laughs> all over the wall. Um, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been struggling with this question of, is there a difference? And you know what? It's 2023 headed into 2024. And I don't think we've made a goddamn bit of progress. Having said that, we're the hats. This is how we go out with with confusion and passion. <laughs> Do us a favor, hit like, click subscribe. Obviously, go buy merch. We haven't sold merch in like over a year. Go buy a hat or something. We, It's in the name of the show, okay? Go buy a hat. But until next time, everybody, I'm Andy. That's Dr. Mark. That's Chris. That's Ty. We're the hats. And as always, see you next time because we may end up miles from here. Take care, everybody. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, there's another chunk of time you can't give back. From Port Lenoir again in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this has been Keep Your Hat On, a big little show about a whole lot of nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is a now-banned broadcast network production in association with Andrew Scott Media. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Robert Anthony and Christopher Vacano, associate producers. Our theme music was written and produced by Andrew Scott, along with help from Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative, Christopher Vacano, webmaster. Available on the web at vacanocreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott Media. Available online at andrewscottmedia.com. Hey, if you got questions, comments, or topics for the show, why don't you email the boys at talkback at kyhopodcast.com. And don't forget to like, click, and subscribe. On behalf of the boys, I'm the announcer, apparently, Richard Cranium. Thanks for listening. I guess. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.